So we're going to finish up our series this week on David. We've been talking about David the last four, three, four weeks, and 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 this is going to uh, come to a close this week. And and last week, you know, the 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 previous weeks, we talked about David and how and how everything he did, he was following in God's footsteps, and everything he touched turned to gold, right? Everything was good. Everything that David did, every battle that he fought, every battle that he led, every every giant that he fought, every lion, tigers, and bears, David conquered all, right? And then last week, last week, we end up in a place where David isn't where he's supposed to be, right? He's supposed to be leading his army into another battle. That's where he's supposed to be, and he doesn't go. He sends somebody else. Says, you know what? I'm gonna take this day off, right? Have you ever been there where you just need a day off, where you're just like, you know what? Today I'm not gonna be a nice person. Today I'm gonna run people off the road, right? I'm not gonna be nice anymore. Today I've decided I'm gonna yell at every clerk, every checkout counter, every person that is on this earth. I'm gonna be mean to. I'm not gonna be nice, Mike. Today it's over. I'm done. I've finished. I've had enough, right? And David sits there and he says, look, I've killed the lions, tigers, bears, blah, 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 giants, Philistine armies, nothing. I'm going to take a day to myself, right? Because everybody will tell you that if you don't care for yourself first, you can't care for anybody else. You got to put your, your oxygen mask on first before you can help somebody else, right? Well, guess what? God says, no, thank you. I don't need that. I need it done in my time. And my time says, I'm not waiting on you to get where you think you need to be before you can do something. You see, when David fought Goliath, King Saul tried to give him his army and says, here, dress like this, dress like someone else. And he says, now, wait a minute. I didn't, I didn't have to put on this army, armor before I fought a, a, a tiger or bear or lion. I didn't have to do this before. You know, God, God gave me the tools that I needed. And church, sometimes we get ourselves in this place where we're convinced that, well, I've got to wait until I get to this place. Excuse me, my watch is talking to me. It's okay. They said it's okay, so my watch is okay. So David, to this point, up until that point, he was obedient. He was following in God's footsteps, and then he decided to take a day off. And on that day off, he gets up, and he finds himself in a place that he should have never been, and he sees something that he was never meant to see. You hear me? He sees something. That's where it started. That's where it began. And I'm reminded of being a kid and wanting to go see things and see movies and my mom trying to protect me and telling me that Jesus is going to be with you. I I have news for you. God did not leave David as he stood and leaned on the wall and looked out at at a woman bathing. God did not leave him. God did not not leave David and said, okay, you're not going to go fight for me. I'm going to just leave you then. I'm just going to leave you be. No, God was there and saw it too. God doesn't leave us when we make mistakes. I want to jump to the book of Acts this morning, Acts 13, 22. And it says, after removing Saul, he made David their king. God testifies concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that I would decrease, 
I pray that you would increase. Father, I pray that your words would be spoken this morning, not mine. Speak through me. Holy Spirit, go before me, guide and direct this service, Lord. Rest on these people. Open up their hearts and minds so they might hear your word. We give you all the praise and the glory and the honor in your name. Amen and amen. So David, God says, David, the man after my heart. I'm having a hard time with this one. Can I be honest? Can I be transparent this morning? How can a murdering adulterer Maybe a man I forgot. Huh? I, you don't hear God say that about many others, you know? And yet this guy, yeah, he did some great stuff. But boy, he, he really messed up. I mean, as far as the world's concerned, I don't think you get much worse than murder. Right? When... I worked in the jail for five years. I was a nurse in the Summit County Jail. And we would get all kinds of folks in there. And you have your low-level crime people that you would put in one pod. And then we had another pod that was for people who took other people's lives. The world knows that that's different, right? That's a different kind of ick. Right? There's all kinds of sin in this world, and there's all kinds of stuff that we just, well, I sin, sure. Yeah, but just a little bit. Not big, I don't kill people. Right? Except in my mind when they cut me off. My wife will tell you that the same evil person cuts me off. He leaves, he waits for me to leave, and then he leaves his house and follows me. And he goes five miles an hour under the speed limit. The dirty dog. I'm telling you, he does it. And he follows me. Ask her. He's everywhere we go. But, but, <laughs> but I'm, I, 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 I'm trying to figure out how can God say this about a man that, that is as evil as they come? He's as rotten as they come. You stole a man's wife. Then you had him killed. How do you get any worse than this? And God's saying he's a man after my heart. I'm going to have to read on. In 2 Samuel, starting at verse 12, it says, okay, this is, this, is, this is right after David does what he does, where he wasn't where he was supposed to be, and he stands there, and he looks out, and he has an affair, and then he has that poor woman's husband killed and gets her pregnant. This is a pretty big failure. This is not something small. This is not a weak moment. This is not a moment of time where he just stumbled a little bit. This is a pretty big failure. This is fall on your face, flat on your face, failure. So the Lord sent Nathan to David. Nathan is a prophet, and when he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle. But the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb that he had bought, and he raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Okay, 
I can accept a lot of things. I have a pet, I have a dog, it's cute, but I do not share my drink with my dog. There's something wrong with this poor man that he's drinking after a sheep, but we're going to leave that there, right? Even though that's a little awkward. That's a little bit weird. Saying that I wouldn't let an animal drink from my cup. But in verse 4, it says, Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man reframed from taking one of his own sheep or cattle and preparing a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it as for the one who came to see him. And in verse 5, David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. We got to get rid of him. He's evil. He took, he took something that belonged to someone else when he had plenty of his own. For that lamb four times over, because he did such a thing and had no pity. Guess who Nathan's talking about? Talking about David. David, you're the king. The world is your oyster, right? That's a saying. Everything's at your feet. You're the king. It, you don't get any higher than that. You're the man. You could have had anything you wanted. You had everything you wanted. But it wasn't enough. You took what wasn't yours. Sometimes, sometimes we find ourselves in a place where we make these mistakes, and and sometimes we make we, we we convince ourselves that somehow this wasn't not as bad as others, right? We're very good at that because it's much easier to point out someone else's flaws than to deal with my own. I'm going, to say, I'm going to say this one more time. It is much easier to point out someone else's flaws than it is to deal with my own. It's easier to build myself up to make myself feel better when I look down on others. It's easier to do that. At least we convince ourselves of that. So David hears this. Nathan also told him that the child was not going to survive. The child that was created between him and Bathsheba was not going to make it. Told him the child's going to die. This is before she even gave birth. And Nathan's telling him this and telling him, because look, this, this is the consequences of the sin. This is, you made a mistake. I love you, but you made a mistake, and this is, this is the consequences of it. And sometimes as Christians, we convince ourselves that even when we make mistakes, that there shouldn't be consequences to our actions. That somehow grace omits the consequences. Right? I asked a policeman once who pulled me over for speeding for grace. He laughed. He thought it was funny. I did not. He gave me a ticket. Sometimes, sometimes we still have to face the consequences of our actions even though God forgave us, okay? God got to a point where he forgave David, where he said, David is a man after my own heart. He got to that point because he forgave him, but that didn't change 
the fact that there are con consequences for his actions. He messed up. So David then takes that, and, and what should we do with that? Nathan comes to David and tells David, this is what you did, this is who you are, and these are the consequences. And David took that and said, you know what, no, I don't accept that. I don't accept that. In 2 Samuel 12, 16 through 18, David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent nights lying on a, in a sackcloth on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused, and he would not eat any food with them. And on the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. They thought, while the child was alive, still living, he wouldn't listen to us or even uh, when we spoke to him. How can we now tell him that the child is dead? He may do something desperate. See, David said, you know what? You know what, God? I hear you. I hear you. That doesn't change my heart, and I want my child, and I'm going to spend my, my days fasting and praying and seeking your face and saying, please, please. Why did David fast and pray? Can I ask you that this morning? Why? When God already told him what was going to happen. Right? We believe God is just, right? And he's going to do, God's going to do what he's going to do. So if, if, if that's the God we serve, then why pray? Right? If God's going to do what God's going to do, Scripture says that, that if we don't praise and worship, the rocks will. Okay? So why bother praying? Well, let's read on a little bit. In 1222, it says, he answered. When they told him, they said, David, the child's gone. He died. We're sorry. And he answered and he said, they said, why? He said, while, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. You know, there are times that I pray for things, that I get on my knees and I pray to God, please. Why? Because you can't tell me if God might not be gracious to me in this moment. No one can tell me that. Nobody can look at me and say, God, it's not going to be good. You don't deserve it. God's not going to extend you grace. I say, too bad. I'm going to ask anyway. Please. There was a stretch. My stepfather had cancer and he was sick. And my, my stepfather was more of a, just, he was my father. Raised me from the time I was 10, 11 years old and did everything dads do. Taught me everything. And he was coming to the end. And I read that verse. And I thought, medically speaking, as a nurse, I, I understood what I was looking at. You know what I mean? But you can't tell me that 
that God might not be gracious and give me more time. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek his face. I'm going to ask, please, God, please. I'm a firm believer in praying out loud. I like it. All right? Some people like to pray in quiet. Not me. When I pray, I like to say it out loud. I want the devil to hear me. I want to make sure he hears every word coming from my mouth. Verse 23, but now that the child is dead, why should I go on fasting and praying? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. You see, David understood that when when God answered his prayer, because he did, God, God doesn't ignore prayers, he answers all of them. He said no. He said no. You see, always pray. Always pray. Because prayer affects things. And it changes things. Changes things. You say, well, you can't change God's mind. Well, I got news for you. In the beginning of this book, in the book of Genesis, chapter 18, in verse 26, it says, The Lord said, If I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham is praying. And Abraham said, spoke up again and said, Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, just speaking to him, now that I'm being so bold as to do that, <clears throat> though I'm nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of righteous people were five less than 50? Would you destroy the whole city for the lack of five people? This... Abraham is trying to talk sense to God. You hear it? You hear it? I have granddaughters, three of them, rotten as ever. I love them to death. They are so nice. But they will try to convince me that I'm wrong. Hilarious. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. These kids are, they are convinced that my wife can pull suckers out of her hair. Okay, it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. That's what I think of when I think of Abraham trying to convince God that you're wrong here. You don't want to destroy this city. But he's not afraid to. He's not afraid to. In verse 29, it says, once again, he spoke up again, and he says, what if there were only 40? Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 be found? God answered and said, if I, only, if, I, if I find 30 there, I will not do it. Abraham said, now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found? He said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if, what if 10 can be found there? And he answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy a church. Prayer changes things. Listen to me. You know what Scripture says? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And let me tell you something. That verse speaks loud. That is volume. Everything we do on this earth, everything we do while we're here, should be done under the pretense of God what's next. 
Everything. Once you accept Jesus as your Savior, once you've gotten down on your knees and you've said, if you've done that this morning, raise your hand high. If you have accepted Christ as your Savior, raise your hand high. Good. Listen. Listen to me. Once you did that, it's no longer about you. Okay? You're playing a different game now. You're playing a different game than people that don't know Jesus. You're playing at a, at a whole new level. You're on a whole different playing field. You went from a football field to a basketball court. They're not the same. You're playing a different game because the rules are different. The rules are different. Try to look to an unsaved person and explain to them that this very thing is wrong because Scripture says it does. They say, don't come at me with Scripture. I don't buy it. They're playing a different game than we are. And church, before you do anything, pray. Seek his face. I had a high school, uh, a Sunday school teacher. You guys remember back when they did Sunday school? I had a high school Sunday school teacher, and he looked at me. He looked at all of us in the room, and he says, does God care what you have on your pizza? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think he cares where I order it from, let alone what I put on it. Um, I've tried in the past to pray that the calories I'm getting ready to take in turn to broccoli. That doesn't work either. Um, um, but, you know, does God care what you have on your pizza? Does, does it matter to God what step you take next? Right? When you pick up your computer in your pocket and you Google pizza shops near me, does he care if you ordered who has really good hot honey pizza? Oh my goodness, that's good. I think God wants me to eat that a lot. Right? God doesn't, God doesn't care what I eat on my pizza, does he? care if I eat pizza. I hope. Scripture's filled with buffets, right? When we get to heaven, we're going to eat. Amen? Yes. It is not going to, you know, a moment on the lips and a moment on the hips. That ain't going to happen. It's exciting, right? We get to eat. And it doesn't affect our looks. We can still wear stretchy pants. Right? You don't have to loosen the belt on Thanksgiving. To fit more in. Does God care what we do with our day? Does God care what you do with your downtime? Does God care what you do with your afternoon? Does God care what steps you take next? Church, God cares greatly. It matters. It means something. And it means something because at the end of this life, the question will be, how did you affect this world for my kingdom? We will all stand before God and we will answer for what we've done. There's a cheat code, right? You understand cheat codes? There's these codes you can punch into a computer game and it gives you like the ultimate. 
all of a sudden I'm a great big giant, right? And I've got all this good stuff. Uh, uh, Tecmo Bowl, right? My era of football, you create your own player. Had a running back who was seven foot tall and ran a 4-140. He could fly. It's a computer game. It's a cheat code. There is a cheat code in this. Do you know that? It's in scripture. There's a cheat code. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added under you. Huh? Wait. So in everything I do? Even the pizza? What about ice cream? Does he care if I eat Rocky Road? Be honest with you, mint loose tracks is my favorite. Does he care? Is he going to ask? Am I going to have a freezer full when I get to heaven in my mansion? I, I, I mean, really, does, does it matter? In church, I'm telling you, everything matters. Every moment that you have on this earth is an opportunity to spread the gospel, to share God's touch on your life. And it doesn't always have to come from your words. It doesn't always have to come from what you say. It can be from what you do. And how do you know what to do? How do you know? God doesn't give us a magical burning bush that is non-consumable in our backyard where we can go slip off our feet and kneel on holy ground and he can say, Mikey, today, here's what you're going to do. Step one. Wouldn't that be wonderful? That's not the way it works. And life is going to hit at all angles. Can I tell you something? Spiritual warfare is real. It is real. And if you are heading down the path with God, and you're talking with God and communing with God, and you are doing what God has called you to do, the devil doesn't like it. He doesn't like it. It only takes a moment to not be where you're supposed to be. It only took David one, and everything he did, everything we read up to this point, right? Everything he did was, was blessed by God until he, until he didn't. Until he didn't listen and follow God's lead. You know how much prayer changes things? I'm going to tell you a little story about Jesus. He went in the garden the night before he was arrested and he prayed so fervently, so hard that blood was coming from his pores. I've been on this earth a long time, 52 years as of yesterday, and I have never, I have done some crazy things in my life. Played college football and tried to get really, really strong. And I lifted a lot of heavy weight. And I watched a man pick up a weight that was so heavy that blood came from his ears. That's how hard he was straining. That's how hard you have to push your body to get blood to come from orifices. Do you understand? Jesus was just praying. Are you ready? He was praying to himself for an answer he already knew. But he did it with such a fervency and such, such intensity that the strain was so great 
that his blood pressure got so high that blood started to come from his pores. And he was praying to himself. Why? Why? Why did he do that? If it wasn't just to teach us. Jesus did nothing without prayer. He is God. How much more do we need it? How much, how much more do we need to pray and fast and seek his face? Church, let me tell you something. You want to reach God? You want God to talk to you? You feel like, have you ever been in that place? You ready? Where you get down and you pray. And if you can visualize my words bouncing off the ceiling. And it feels like God's not hearing you. And you're like, God, please. God, please. Can you just answer this prayer for me? Can I change your mind one more time? And it feels like that those words aren't reaching him. And it feels like too hard. Don't quit. Keep praying. Keep seeking his face because the cheat code is there. We don't have to seek him for stuff. We don't. It's not a requirement. We don't have to seek him for things. Material things, a better phone, a better life, more money. I can, I've tried to convince God over the years that he just gave me billions of billions with a B dollars that I could get. I could, God, I can bring as many people as I want to heaven. Just give me that money. <laughs> and it hasn't worked. But I'm trying. <laughs> Sometimes when we pray, it feels like it's not reaching God and, 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 and we want to quit. We want to give up. We want to stop. And sometimes when God gives us the answer that we don't like, we want to blame him. In church, prayer changes things. We just read in the book of Genesis, we read, what, five, six verses about Abraham arguing with God, trying to convince him to save Sodom and Gomorrah. I read the rest of that story. It didn't work. It didn't end the way Abraham wanted. It didn't look like what Abraham thought it should look like. Should he have not bothered? Church, you don't know when God's going to be gracious. Where he's going to extend grace. Pray, pray. God is the same. We serve the same God on the mountaintops as we do in the valley. He doesn't change. He's the same. He's the same. My kids wrote a song, and I want you to take a moment to listen to it. It's called Even When. And um, just absorb it. Listen, 
I'll probably speak a couple of the words so that you don't miss them in there, but it is uh, it touches my heart. Go ahead and go ahead and play that song. Find me in the storm. Make me whole like you promised. Find me every time. From darkness into light.
the line in that song, even when I'm running, even when I'm hurting, even when I'm desperate, desperate for your mercy, open up the gates of heaven, King of glory. Church, I don't know where you're at this morning. Don't stop praying. Because that's, that, that's what made David the man after God's own heart. Is that it didn't matter where he was. There's a line in a movie called Jesus Culture, and it's where the pastor of a church is sitting, and his wife is sitting across from him, and he made a mistake. And he looked at his wife and said, I've, I've messed this up. And she looked at him, and she goes, oh, Don't be so proud to believe that God cannot use your mistake. Church, don't be so proud. Pray and believe that God can use us in every way, in every facet, in every step of life. He's not expecting you to put on somebody else's armor. He's not expecting you to be someone else. He wants you to be you, just you. And he has a plan and a purpose for you. And it's big. Listen, hear, follow. Be like David. Be like David. Pray so hard and so fervently that God has to change his mind. Don't be afraid to ask. My kids are not afraid to ask me for anything. They will do it, and they're rotten about it. But they're not afraid to ask. Because they know there's a chance that Dad will say yes. My grandkids are the same. Run up to me as soon as they see me. Papa, do you have lollipops? Like I magically have lollipops in my pocket. It's partly my fault because I usually stick lollipops in my pocket before I go over there. But one day I forgot, and my youngest granddaughter, daughter, two years old, I had a hoodie on. She came over and stuck her hand in my hoodie pocket. She's fishing around in there. I said, honey, it's not in there. There's nothing in there. And then she looked at my wife because the time before, my wife had pulled one out of her hair, being goofy, and she climbs up on the arm of the chair. I want to be like this with God. I want to climb up on the arm of the chair and think he can pull a sucker out of his hair. You know what I mean? I, I, I want to believe God can do anything. I want to have the faith of that child that believes that my wife can magically pull lollipops out of her head. That's what I want. You, 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 you sit here and you, 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 you say, God... What do you want from me today? Are you ready for the answer? Are you ready to hear him? And then are you ready to be obedient? I want to be, I, we had a missionary come when we were teenagers and he came <clears throat> and he said he was driving down the road and God told him, I want you to pull into that convenience store and I want you to go stand on your head by the Coke machine. Okay, first of all, God's never talked to me like that. Probably because he knows I can't do a headstand. I don't know. <clears throat> but he asked this man to do it, and the man argued. He's like, God, this is silly. He said, nah, I need you to do this. So he pulls into this 
Pulls into this convenience store. He gets out of his car. He's arguing with God. He walks through the door. He probably looked like a crazy person having a conversation with himself. He's arguing with God, and there it is, Coke machine. Walks over, does a headstand, flips his feet down, walks out of the store, gets into his car. Gentleman that was standing in the store ran out the front door and said, why did you do that? And he said, well, I was driving down the road, and God told me that I should pull in here and do a headstand next to the Coke machine. And he goes, do you know that, 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 that that man in there was trying to tell me about God, and I said if God was real, someone would walk through the door and do a headstand by the Coke machine. That man became saved. God may ask us to do something crazy, and we don't know what the end result might be. I might ask you to do a headstand. Get practicing. <laughs> you got to get home and practice, see if we can do a headstand. I want to be obedient, amen? I, w- I want to listen to what God has for me. I want to follow in God's footsteps, and I want him to bless me like he blessed David. That's the desire of my heart. And I challenge you this week to start your day with this prayer. Good morning, God. What do you have for me today? And then expect some things. Because God never disappoints. Never disappoints. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning. And God, we just... No matter where we're at, no matter what painful, difficult time we're going through, no matter what trials face we face, God, we want to wake up to you every day and be prepared for what you have in store. I want to have faith and I want to believe that you're going to be there at every turn and I want to trust you enough to know that you're in control of my life. Help me to be a willing vessel. Help me chase after your heart. We love you. We praise you. We give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for this in Jesus' precious name. We pray amen and amen. Amen, church. Take that challenge with you this week. Ask God every day, what today? God, what? What do we do today? What do we do now? Follow his lead. Follow his lead. Heavenly Father, I pray a blessing and a benediction on this service. Father, I pray that you go and, and, and you walk with us and you, and you visit with us and you guide us and direct us this week. Father, we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for this. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.